can't believe I'm saying this, but welcome back to the goat parade. Wow. I didn't think that this was going to happen ever. Oh, and also for our listeners, uh, we probably had maybe about 30 listeners before we took a two month hiatus for very, uh, very pertinent reasons. Um, and now we probably have five listeners. Good. So to our five listeners, Cam and I are actually sitting in front of each other right now. We're far apart, far as hell. But I mean, we're probably I can about see eight I mean, feet. I need my glasses, but I'm fairly sure it's you. Do I look more handsome, a little blurry? No, no, I need you up close. Oh, I like the intimacy. <laughs> uh, it's funny that we're doing this now in front of each other as we were doing it satellite for what? how many months? I don't, I don't even know. The year? Has it been a year yet? It, it's been five years. It's now 2025. That makes sense. Um, I have uh, not aged gracefully. I have not either. Time has not been kind. No. Uh, it's just funny. We haven't seen each other in six months total. Right. We haven't done an episode in two months. So for four months, probably, roughly, around three to four months, we were doing satellite episodes, right. correct? We had a pod fest. We had a couple good times. A couple of really great times. What's funny about us doing this now is that shit is much worse. Right. We, we were like, it's going to be a couple months, and then we'll be hanging out. Things will be totally back to normal. And we are at that point now, and things are not. I, the hilarity of us being so responsible a few months ago at the beginning of the pandemic versus now when things are twice as bad as they were in the beginning. Right. And now I mean, finding us face to face. You know, we're, we're just wearing masks. We're far apart. We're constantly spraying sanitizer all over our bodies. Yeah, we burn our clothes when we get home. <laughs> right. Should we take a little Sandy break? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good idea. I'm going to say right now. I like this Trader Joe's uh, sanitizer because it smells like a Paloma. Oh, wow. It also, it activates your alcoholism as well as sanitizes your hands. <laughs> well, I've been doing nothing but drinking Purell for the past <laughs> right. couple of months. That's so. It's doctor prescribed, I imagine. It is. Oh, yeah. No, of course. That's I, the kind of insanity we hear in, here in America on a day-to-day basis. Oh, for sure. Uh, I don't know what rehab is going to look like for sanitizer abuse, but I'm sure it's going to be quite interesting. Well, we're learning all sorts of new things. Welcome back to the Goat Parade. Welcome back. A podcast about music in a time... Where there is no music. Where there's not a lot of music, there's still some, and it's really not a good discourse to be paying attention to. But hey, that's why we took some time off. We, we did didn't, take we some didn't time think off. you needed yeah. us. We thought you needed to actually be paying attention. At first, we were a necessary distraction. Right. And then, you know. And we changed. don't want to serve as a distraction anymore. I, th- I no. think we, we do that's, in a, in a healthy way, in yeah. a beneficial way, but we don't want to distract from the very necessary things that are happening right now. And we are sorry for taking a break. We're also sorry for coming back. Um, but it's, uh, we, we just wanted, we wanted the world to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Be- and we kind of, we kind of realigned what we're doing here too. Yeah. We're going to try out some new stuff today. Yeah. We're going to try to to change with the world's changing around us. So Absolutely. Much. Yeah. And we're probably going to talk about some shit that we need to suss out that we know very little about. We're going to try to learn some more through all of this as well, as opposed to just being two stoners sitting in front of microphones for a couple hours at a time. Yeah, we're getting constructive here on the Goat Parade. We're trying. We're going to try. But we're also going to listen to a couple tunes. And we're of gonna, course. We're going to go through a list. Classic formats. We're, we're still doing tunes. We're still doing lists. Right. We changed adding, the name of the tunes, though, right? It's Goat Worthy. Things are now Goat Worthy. Yes. If you hear it here, that means the song is Goat Worthy. And if you're old enough to know where that's riffing off of, thank you. If, if you don't get that, you scare me and you're too young to be listening. <laughs> well, you, dude, we are old. Buzz, yeah, Buzzworthy on MTV feels very old. But it that feels was very old. That's like the purest form I remember of 
falling in love that with wasn't matt pinfield was it he'd do some i mean buzz buzzworthy it happened every morning and you never knew when a buzzworthy song was going to come True. on yeah but man you saw that it was like a it was like a, when you go to the theater you know the rated r screen that comes up but uh-huh. it said buzzworthy and they also did world premiere of course i remember these so specifically i miss kurt loader i oh. really miss kurt loader what happened to Kurt Loder? I hope he's fucking. Is he okay? Hang- I feel like he was in the news recently. He's not oh, dead, no, is he? No, 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 no. No, he can't. I, be I just don't want him to be he, dead or no, to be yeah. a pedophile because no, no. all of our he's heroes, music's grandpa. That's true. He is music. <laughs> well said. <laughs> he's great. Okay. Well, I don't even know where to begin with catching up. And I know that's. I've. I knew this would be the most awkward part of bringing the pod back yeah is, is getting back into what it. what do we talk about what do we not talk i mean we could cover a million things at the same time every day was the same and also we're trying to keep these episodes a little bit more concise digestible yeah. if you will right. not just three hours of cam and i wanking off into the microphone we, we want right. to keep it a little so bit luckily, more structured because of that we made sure to do a real concise list today that is about a, a song for Every single stage of our entire lives. And those stages... <laughs> oh, this is... By the way, this is side B. Right, this we never got to your side B last time. So, yeah, this is This is still your list. This is You wrote this list in... Months ago. In, yeah, mid-May to do. And I still was catching up on it last night. I, I forgot to do it all the way. So to entice night. the listener to stay, Cam and I are going to be talking about tracks from great epochs of our lives. So birth, childhood, puberty... High school, first sexual encounter, early 20s, late 20s, early 30s, which we are kind of now early to mid 30s, and then we move on to aspirations and later years. It's like a 10 track album of your it entire is. life. It's uh it's a decade of hit, well, a few decades of hits rather. It was it was harder than I thought. It Much is harder. hard. I actually when I before we decided to take a couple of months to let, you know, the very pivotal uh, and beautiful, beautiful used in a, a kind of a weaponized way, platform for social justice and racial equality to kind of air out and let people understand what was happening, including ourselves, mm-hmm. to educate ourselves on the matter. Uh, I did start this list, and I think I've used a lot of the same tunes that I had back then, Me which too. is so weird because I've changed so much. Right, but these points of your life didn't. No. You know, this and, is... Yeah. This is... Pre-pandemic. Well, except your aspirations in your later years. Right. But something tells me that on both of our lists, those songs are going to be very nostalgic. Also, isn't it sad that it stops at early 30s because that's how old we are right now? No, that's fine. I, I don't want... I don't. I, 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 at this point, I could probably do mid-30s. I don't want people <laughs> yeah, right. knowing that. Yeah. So, well, fine. let's not talk about the list until we get to yeah. the list. Let's talk about some goat-worthy tunes. Uh, so it's side B. I'll go first. Oh boy! Is, okay, is yeah. that what we're doing? I'm I'm the first one to jump back into Goatworthy. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm very excited. Um, but I did want to bring something that is kind of a I don't know a a, a still life of the moment. Right. Um, and I was really excited to see that Joey Badass is back. Uh-huh. And Joey Badass is one of my favorite rappers. Uh, he's from Pro Era. And he's been, I mean, for the past eight or so years, he's been on a pretty consistent rise. Yes, definitely. Uh, but this Joey Badass tune, and for you, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, the two S's in Badass are money signs. They are indeed. And he fucking rules. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was a big fan of uh, All American Badass. All American Badass was great. Which, was that an album or two ago? That was 
two albums ago, I want to say. That was two around 2015, yeah, 2016. 2017. 2017 was his last release. So this this track we're about to hear is his first release in three years. Right. And, and it's, it's actually a, like a got, mini EP. It's a mini, it's only three songs. It's the, the light pack, the light pack. Exactly. And we're now we're playing the song, uh, the title track, if you will, called the light. It's a little over two minutes, really quick one. Uh, but you really get a feel for his cadence and where he's coming from. It's his first release under Columbia records. Oh, wow. He got a fatty deal. Congratulations, Joe. Oh yeah. You fucking deserve it. Um, and in the interim, I don't know if you watched it. I tried to watch a, a couple of episodes of it. Uh, the Hulu, Wu-Tang, and American Saga. No, thank you. Okay, so I watched the first two episodes. It seemed like it was going in the wrong direction for glorification yeah. or like... It, it it didn't it didn't feel so factual to me. It felt yeah. way too dramatic. Whenever whenever artists are part of their own biopic, I I get nervous. It's a little strange. Whenever they're part point. of the producing, or like when Puffy is a producer on the Notorious film, right? So Puffy, or all of Queen, all of Living Queen is producing exactly. Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm like, we're not getting but the actual. Story. Joey did portray Inspector Deck. Well, Joe, Joey Battis is a great actor. He was in Mr. Robot. He was. Yeah, uh, the last couple seasons oh dude i had no idea yeah he, he was great in it i'm gonna have to look in it i've never seen an episode of that i'll have it's, to check it out it's a wild show it's but, fine uh, it's it's polarizing i guess you could say well uh on the tune before we play it and because this is accompanied by a visual and i do urge you to check out the video um at the beginning of the video for the song a title card appears stating quote on june 16th 2020 i chose to partake in a traditional voodoo ceremony in search of rebirth my purpose with this visual is to inspire black people to realize their power and take it back, as I did. Don't be afraid of who you are. That's their job. We are magic. Oh, wow. Which awesome. just feels so, like, I, I, it just feels so obviously timely and necessary yeah. right now. Um, and that's part of the reason I brought the tune. Yeah. I know he's a global phenomenon at this point. Oh. I try well, to we keep go it global here at the GoPro. True, yeah. Um, but let you know what? Without further ado, let's play Joey Badass, The Light. Yeah. Mike check of the gods, nigga. Mike check of the gods. Yeah. The shining represents the light that's in the darkness, a diamond. Y'all niggas ain't ready when I drop this, the timing. Remarkable and in alignment. Anything is possible, I promise. Yeah. I admitted I was gone for a little minute. It's like I lost my glow, yo My inner light was dimming Now I got my mojo back Yo, don't know how to act I'm about to black out I never back out Unless we talk or bring a gas out And every show is packed out We bring a cast out From South Africa to Glasgow I guess you could say I got this shit mapped out now World domination by determination This is mumble rap extermination This is godly interpolation This is that Who your top five conversation Type of rap that Fuck a Grammy nomination Type of rap that I'ma take him to my basement, bring it back. Cause when they come to leaving mics a blazing, I'm adjacent to that nigga Satan. That ain't for debating, no more time for wasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shining represents the light that's in the darkness, a diamond. Y'all niggas ain't ready when I drop this, the timing. Remarkable and in alignment. Anything is possible, I promise. Unstoppable if it's divinely got it. I'm like Mahatma Gandhi meets Muhammad Ali. Trapped in the rapper's body. Another old soul in every lifetime you find me. My angels who surround me. Niggas was fun and now they all behind me. Funny story how I beat the odds so Ali. Funny how I dropped all these bombs so calmly. Funny how I never found the shit that just found me. It just, yeah, yeah. 
going to affect everybody's life for the good, for the good, for the good. The shining. Represent the light that's in the darkness A diamond Y'all niggas ain't ready when I drop this The timing Remarkable and in alignment Yeah Joey Badass, the light. Such, such a cool tune and just so easy to take in too. I mean, minus the the really like the, the huge theme that's involved right. with it. Uh, the timing, remarkable and in alignment is a line from that, which I think is incredible. And also speaking about the timing of us taking our break, mm-hmm. our much needed break for everyone to focus on much more important things. Um, and a lot of people losing their inner voices right now, especially the black community, because of what they've been forced to deal with for right. since the beginning of fucking mankind. So him coming back after three years, after you know doing the voodoo ceremony and like really understanding who he is and what his message is, and, and you know being empowered by that. I don't know. It's just really fucking yeah, inspirational inspiring. to me. Definitely. Yeah. Damn, that was a good one to start things back off with. I, you know, it just feels right. Yeah, it just feels right. I wish it was longer. I, I do. do too. I, I wish do. it. I, was, I wish I was, it was about was three just minutes starting, longer. Starting to really because the get beat into is that. so yeah, nasty. That beat is nasty. And his cadence, dude. Yeah. His cadence is really something. It's always special. been smooth. Yeah. And like in a time where things, I, I don't even know what mumble rap is, but in a time where like quote unquote SoundCloud rappers and mumble rappers and mm-hmm. all of these rappers are out there, kind of diminishing the light, you know, pun intended. Um, <laughs> Someone like Joey is like understanding. His yeah, it feels importance. very pure and, um, yeah, just very real. There's just no bullshit attached to yeah. it. The dude is literally rapping like from classic. the fucking heart. Yeah, yeah. it feels classic, which is important for the genre right now too. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. goat worthy. Goat worthy. Super goat worthy. What did you bring? Let's 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 hop in. I love this word, goat worthy. Goat worthy. Yeah, goat worthy. I'm glad you liked it because when I said it, I thought maybe you'd be like, "That's fucking stupid." Well, yeah, when we were talking about the new segments yeah. on the show, when you, yeah, you were immediately embarrassed that I, you know, said I was like, goat "Sorry, worthy. I said that," and you're like, "I love it." And I'm like, "Great." <laughs> now nobody can tell us it sucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> goat worthy is goat worthy. Yeah, it's either goat worthy or it's not. Yeah, that's how that's that's how we judge it. And it all, you know, it's a play on noteworthy too. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the MTV <laughs> See, you're a genius, work. dude. You think about things and you don't even think about them. I didn't even know what I'm it's thinking about. It's a true about. mark of a genius. I brought in, you're never going to believe this, I brought in a Radiohead cover. What? Is it, if it's, if I'm it's, already mad at myself. If it's not John Mayer's cover of Kid A title track, I don't want to hear it. Right. So are we going to have to talk about that? Because you did text me that when I told did you, you listen to it. No, I'm not going to listen to that. Why? It's incredible. I... See, Dude, it's I don't really know if good. we should still do this. So, <laughs> how many times have we quit on each other? John Mayer? What are it, you doing? Yo, it's it's not your body is a wonderland-esque right. John Mayer status. It's John Mayer paying homage to one of the greatest living bands of all time and doing I've justice. Seen, I've heard a lot of people do that, though, and it's just like, nah, we're No, good. dude, it's really good. And I know someone of out Kid there... Kid A? The song Kid A? The song a? Kid A, yes. I don't see it being good. It's incredible. And, of course, it's just John Mayer with his fucking cheesy Strat. No. Anyone who plays a Strat is fucking cheesy. Sorry, no, if you're yeah, out there listening true. and you it's play true, a Strat, then. you're cheesy Except Doug Marsh. Except Doug, Doug Marsh, Marsh is the only one who gets an out. Spill. He's the only one. Um, but he did a great job. So... The, we're not listening to John Mayer's cover No, today. we're not. Okay, Definitely not. So that is not go-worthy. <laughs> you're going to listen to it tonight, and you're going to text me, and you're going to be like, dude, Al, I am so sorry. You're so I, right. I, you're I, also I, so handsome, and you smell really good all the he, time. He, or, he tried to order a virgin mojito from me at the bar once, and I told him no. 
do you, do you have a problem with people who abstain from alcohol use, Cam? No, it was just that we were extremely busy. <laughs> and I was like, dog. And I also didn't know it was him. I was just like, dog, you're crazy. Did he just look like another pretty boy? He just, no, not, he just looked like the tallest guy in the room. And I didn't even know, had any inclination it was him until right. I noticed everyone in the bar looking at him. Right. And being like, why is everybody looking at this dude? And then, you know, somebody, you could hear it from it's like... John Mayer. It's John, just John Mayer. Oh John, Mayer. John Mayer. John Mayer. Anyway, long story short, I gave him a ginger beer. <laughs> wow. After ordering a virgin mojito, you gave the man a ginger we beer? We were slammed, and I was trying to make money. I don't give a fuck about what John Mayer wants. <laughs> I'm trying to make my money so I can continue making music. Yeah. John Mayer is good. He can go get a virgin He's mojito. Fine. He can go get the ingredients to a virgin mojito at a store and go make it in his fucking mansion. He wrote a platinum hit single about Jennifer Love Hewitt... Which we've all wanted to do. In we've our all lives. tried. We've all tried. Yes, I've I've written five mine was songs. Called, mine was called "What Are You Waiting For?" <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt, if you're listening, please marry me. Yeah, um, which she's not. She's definitely not no, listening. Not, but I, I brought in a song from Leon Lahavas. I love her, dude. Um, she covers Weird Fishes in her new album, her third self-titled album, and. I just, it's its the cover you didn't know you needed. It's a tough song to cover, too. It's near impossible. And and, and Ben Haywood, friend of the pod, of came to, when we were practicing. He was like, I can't get this song stuck out of my head. It's a, a Weird Fishes cover. And I'm like, not interested. Not at all interested. Because that's one of those tunes. If someone came to me and said, hey, I heard this cover of All I Need. Or I heard this rockin' cover of Body Snatchers. Or I I'm heard, pretty much like anti-Radiohead cover. Me too. I'm anti-Beatles covers as well for the same reason. Yeah, Don't, if like. it ain't broke, nowhere near broke. I'm Don't the same attempt way, to except for it. Toe the Wet Sprockets, Hey Bulldog, of course. Is that a I good know, cover? Only I know you did last summer soundtrack. <laughs> Jennifer Love, love you it. If you're out what there, you Jennifer Love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, but this is, I, I don't know how she does it. I, uh, it's incredible. It's unbelievable. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, let's just listen to it first, and then we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Leanne Lahavas, Weird Fishes. Crazy not to follow 
know what to say after that. Leanne Lahavas with Weird Fishes. Uh, that was a sermon, dude. By that Radiohead that truly she a sermon. just uh, took over. Yeah, no, <laughs> she, that's not a cover. That is a, yeah, that's a rebirth. That's a exorcism. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. Wow. Um, that's yeah. something special though. Okay, so now I feel really bad about harping on that or at least trying to get you to listen to that John Mayer cover of Kid A. Because it better it be at least that good. No, if I'm no, no, no. It's nowhere near that level of yeah. genius. Okay. Uh, it takes a lot. And for it, and I, I know the musicians out there listening who have covered songs in the past know this. It actually takes a lot of ingenuity. Like you, a lot of people, a lot of plebes or you know the, the unknowers out there people who haven't played music or worked on a cover don't maybe maybe don't realize that a cover song can be so much more than just a cover song right it's it's a restatement of an original and what you're what you're tasked with or what you should be tasked with when covering a tune is taking it and not only implementing your own voice and imparting it but also giving it new life which that song did fucking beyond bounds showing somebody the other side of it Absolutely. What she didn't so much do is like uh, just introduce it to a whole different genre and like a whole different 
part of the world. I don't know. Just like there's like a whole new feeling. Like there's not a lot of soul in Radiohead. No, let's be well, honest. There hold is on. to a degree, but especially like, on In Rainbows, there was quite a bit of R and B feeling. True. Yeah, I mean Tom York has a very tender alto Absolutely. that he sometimes uses in that. But I mean overall, there's a lot of there's some jagged edges to Radiohead, totally. especially yeah. in the earlier stuff. They're a quote unquote rock band, if you will. Yeah. So like to, but that song. Oh, now now that song almost feels weirder in the Radiohead realm. Absolutely. Like it feels forced with that little tinny drum beat yeah, and stuff it, like that. It feels so smooth feels and organic. It feels more natural, yeah. I and know. I love how she started the tune with the original drum beat. And oh, then, and then they immediately back. did that turnaround. That was yeah. genius. It's yeah, because I was like, okay, we got the same beat going here. Here we go. This is oh. a cover song. Yeah. Yeah. I love when you pull the rug out like that. Ah, oh, man. No more rugs. Just pull them out. Just no rugs, dude. Period. Pull out the rugs. Pull throw out the them rugs. out. No more rugs. We're, we don't have time for rugs. No, anymore. this is not. Twenty twenty is not a rug year. Nobody can afford a rug. <laughs> yeah, dude. We don't have time for rugs. Yeah. You know how expensive rugs are? They're fucking very expensive. Yeah. Have you and your wife gone rug shopping recently? She's always kind of looking for a rug. I'm always I mean. kind of rug shopping too. I love rugs and lamps. Right. No, she's if I, if I'm glancing over at her laptop, she's she's looking at rugs. She's half rug the time. shopping. <laughs> yeah, she's, and we have a great rug. You know. And it took her a long time to find that rug. The perfect rug. We we went we went through some rugs. <laughs> you are the perfect rug. The yeah. perfect rug. And me like a total jackass. Every one we got, I'm like, this is the one for sure. <laughs> yeah. I love this one. Because you have no taste in rugs. No, I got yeah. nothing. I'm like, I like the way that this one's on the ground. <laughs> its corners are really nice. Yeah, like the oh no, the cat scratched it up. The corners were nice. <laughs> How did we get on a rug situation? Uh, oh, pulled the rug out with out. the drum beat. Yeah. yeah. See, this is what we mean when we go long on a tangent. Yeah, this How is why our, about our episodes are two and a half hours long. <laughs> but that was a great cover. I, I Radiohead covers I don't like to do, so that's a big deal for me. Yeah, dude. Thank you for bringing that. That was really refreshing. That was goat worthy. That was super goat worthy. Both <sighs> tracks. I think Both really tracks, strong. Yeah. I feel I, I feel now I feel back at home. I feel like I was yeah. a little nervous to see you, you know, like I mean, it's I'm been always so nervous to see you because you're just so <laughs> handsome. That's and ridiculous. On that note, let me just say, because it's been so long, ladies and gentlemen, that it is a pleasure to be again in front of the sultry voiced post punk king of Los Angeles, Mr. Cameron Dumetric, everybody. Oh yeah, thank you. I love all your your introductions that you give me about 30 minutes into the pod. <laughs> Great. Just in case people didn't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have some that new to listeners. I'll push maybe, that to the front. Maybe because we got some new segs and we're like we're we're kind of condensing the episodes a little bit. Maybe it's just going to blow the doors wide open on oh, the Oh, big time. Break. I think so. Um, but I'd love to get into it. Yeah, uh, speaking of hiding I, nothing. I called I, I don't know if you had a name for this list. I don't know if you but I have it written down as songs to soundtrack your life thus far. I like it. Um I aka the Sonic Memoir. Ooh, I like to see why didn't you say that? I AKA wish I got, I wish I said that. Mine Capsulation compilation. Mine sounded like a Mandy Moore movie. <laughs> um I also have AKA the Living Tomb of Our Souls. Which I don't. I, <laughs> maybe it might be a stretch. You just keep there. all this to yourself. All this poetry. <laughs> okay. Well, it's time, ladies and gentlemen. What was the first one? The Sonic. The Sonic Memoir. Okay, let's get into the Sonic Memoir. Let's hit. That's it. fantastic, ladies and gentlemen. Here is another installment of Listomania. Listomania. All right. So again. You want to hit me with those uh, the the ten tracks of life? Okay, here we go. So this is going chronologically. 
Right. One to ten. Starts at birth. Into childhood. Into puberty, which is a really scary one. High school. First sexual encounter. Early 20s, if you can remember them at all. Late 20s. Early 30s. Aspirations. And the later years. Oh, yeah. And remember, this isn't only chronological. It's also autobiographical. It is. Are we, go, are we moving into high-fidelity territory? We always do. Yeah, we always do, right? Yeah. So the new Hulu one got canceled last night. I oh, just it saw. did? So I don't know if you ended up seeing it. I never watched it. It got axed. Why? I don't know. I don't Not know. enough viewership. Now, high fidelity was something really for our generation and the generations before. I don't think that was made for a newer generation. It was rough. I didn't watch a lot of it, but there was, you know, Kanye jokes, Michael Jackson jokes. And like today's world of how bad artists are isn't fun to joke about. It's not. Yeah. No, because there's not a lot of uh, uh, prowess or like crazy talent behind it. Like it's not like, man, they partied so hard. It's like, no, he touched children, and this guy's trying to run for president. Right? (laughs) right. You can't can't really make those jokes. It's not funny. It's just not. There's just other things out there. Other things going on. Yeah. Yeah. But um, speaking of other things going on, we've got this list going on. Yes, right we now. got the list. So it is and it's side time, B. It's time to get born, baby. It's time to get born, baby. It's side B. I'm gonna start. Oh yeah, you start. So what, we're gonna we're gonna ping I've, pong. I've this, been right? wondering what your birth song is since we initially talked about doing this list. I'm like, what what is Al squeezing out to? <laughs> so when I originally started writing this list, I had Neil Young's. Keep on rocking in the free world because I wanted to come out with like a cig in my mouth and you know, like a half empty bud bottle, like, ah, what a fucking ride, baby. What a ride, you know, just like that kind of thing. But then I realized that it wouldn't make any sense to have to explain that, like I just tried to do. Um, I think it made perfect sense. So I cheated, which I think you might have as well. Oh, shit. I think we did the same thing. And I looked up the number one Billboard single Mm -hmm. uh, the week and day. Right, you of were born. my birth. Now, which, which uh, you don't have to say the year, but what? What's? I'm going day? to say the year yeah, because yeah. It, this is just kind of maybe it's not so dumbfounding to me, but the fact that this single was at number one for so long, and everyone knows this song, uh, because ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alexander Moore came out Rick Rollin no. as Rick Astley, oh never my God. going to give, never going to give you up. Off of the record... Your birth is a meme. (laughs) Off of the record, Whenever You Need Somebody, which came out in late 87. You know how many times I've almost bought that album for $2.99? Oh, dude, it's in the bargain bin everywhere. I'm actually good. It's always that record and Fleetwood uh, Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. Fuck that. Tusk is Tusk perfect. Tusk is awesome, but it's always in the bargain. Not bin. anymore. People, it's there's a resurgence. You think it's elevated? Tusk is like 35 bucks now. No fucking yeah, shit. Dude, well, Tusk, guess what? I have two copies of Tusk. Dude, the bloggers online talk about Tusk Thursdays all the time. What? What is I'm that? I'm part of Tusk Thursday. You listen to Tusk on Thursdays. Every thir- See, I have a Dookie day. Every third Sunday of the month, I listen to Dookie in its entirety. By I'd Green like to day. do that. Will you text me when yeah. it's Dookie day? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would Dookie love to day be rules. reminded about Dookie yeah. day. Okay, cool. Yeah. Give me on that chain. So Rick Ashley. Al never going to give you up. Never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. That's never going to tell those a lyrics, liar Those lyrics you. are great for, for how I feel about you, you know? Yeah, and it's how I'd like to treat people as right. well. It might be a jokey song, but positive lyrics. Rick rolling, baby. Rick rolled. So you, you literally Rick rolled the world. Right out of the womb, baby. 
That's perfect. So let's move on to your I did, I did the same thing. Number billboard one billboard song? Because I just couldn't move past it once I knew what it was. I don't even particularly like this song. What is it? It's just so gaudy. And the idea <laughs> of me like slowly Come just like, uh, like stretching through the birth canal out into the world. Oh, I can see it. To Money for Nothing by the Dire Straits. Wow. During that first two minutes of just Sting doing background <laughs> vocals and the guitar. I can definitely, yeah. You know, because there's one thing, when people ask me about you, I have a lot of people ask me about you all the time. Like, how's Cam? How's Cam in real life? He's so famous. And I say one thing. I say, that motherfucker's gaudy. That's the one word I use to describe you. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> definitely. Dire Straits, like Money for Nothing. Yeah, it is the stupidest song. It's ridiculous. I mean, the entirety of Dire Straits' career is pretty ridiculous. Right? I mean, I know very little. I mean, yeah, I don't particularly like the song. Mostly it's when I listened to it once I figured this out and I was doing this list. Yeah. I was just like, this song, it's like nine minutes or something <laughs> yeah, stupid. Right. Because the intro is just staying like masturbating and like <laughs> just like all this stuff swirling into that like guitar thing and then the lyrics are i don't know they, they seem to there's some controversy behind the lyrics i think they're homophobic or maybe the story was taken wrong really it's a train wreck of a song but apparently it was number one forever including when i was born dear lord do you know how long it was number one no i don't so i was born in march of 88 uh the Rick Astley Never Gonna Give You Up tune was released November 87. So for at least five months, Never Gonna Give You Up was at number one. Wow. That's a long time. I mean, maybe it wasn't back then because people were consuming music differently. It seems like, for what the song is, that's a long time. That is a long time. I'm sorry. How I'm many not... times can you listen to Never Gonna Give You Up before you get tired of it? Maybe two times. I don't know. Things were different. I mean... That's true. Until Little Nas X smashed the record with uh, <laughs> right. Old Country Road last year. Actually, Old Town no, Road. Let, uh, uh, well, yeah, I said Old Country Old Road. Country. I love that Little Nas X and that tune, Old Country Road. Oh, damn, these mid-30s. Yeah, they're really, they're showing. They're showing <laughs> on you, They're dude. starting to show. Yeah, they're really starting uh, to show. No, but before that was smashed, and even that sounds absolutely strange. Yeah, it does. Last year's number one hit. But One Sweet Day, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, they took that song for... That was the record into, before then. That was that was forever. Really? And that song is the saddest song. That is a really sad about song. a funeral that every single person singing is trying to one up each other <laughs> for like five and a half minutes. It's it's exhausting. It's beautiful. And it was number one for how long? It was the longest until Little Nas X made got with that old country road. With that old country road, he was doing <laughs> with Billy Ray. I like him. He's Billy from, Ray? Yeah, he's from Achy Breaky Heart. I know who Billy Ray Cyrus is. Oh, yeah, you're from Nashville. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, I grew up listening to that trash heap of a song. What about Alan Jackson? You oh, guys, don't they, rock the jukebox, motherfucker. He's got a bar out there I went to when I was in Nashville. Also, Alan Jackson's problematic. He's a fucking racist. Oh, really? He's a big Damn, Yeah, he's a it. severe... I mean, I love uh, the Chad Nooch song. Cause, oh. Just because the lyrics are hilarious. But. No, see, it's hard to listen to Jackson now because he's a, a like a severe born again evangelist. Well, yeah. Which cool. If you want to be religious, that's all fine. Just don't have that tie into racial politics, which right. it unfortunately does all too often and goes right. against the, the word South. of the Bible at large, anyways. Just don't be a fucking hypocrite, Alan. Okay. Yeah. It's time to rock the jukebox, is what I'm getting at. In be a good better, way. Alan Jackson. Yeah. So call me Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Please, if you're listening. And Alan Jackson, if you're listening. I'm really going to write this song for her called What Are You Waiting For? Please, dude. And is, is it going to be about her approaching you and professing her love for you? 
I'll figure it out. Your I mean, wife isn't listening to this podcast. It's okay. She, she refuses to listen to him yeah. anymore. She's, Good. She's like, I'm around. Actually, now that we're doing it around, she so might she'll have listen. To listen. She, she yeah. has no idea what's going on here. <laughs> she doesn't care. She's good. All right, moving on to number two. We're going into our childhood. Childhood. And this is something that's actually going to come up. Actually, uh, uh, well, it's going to come up later in this podcast because we're going to talk about this particular record. Okay. But my childhood tune, my father was a huge, uh, being a country musician, he tried to break out as much as possible. Being a songwriter, he listened to a lot of great songwriters. So I grew up on Paul Simon. Paul Simon was my bread and butter when it wasn't country music. And Paul Simon's Graceland, title track off of Graceland, 1986, um, is about a father and son basically taking a trip to Graceland. Right. so it's allegorical in that sense, and it really encapsulates my childhood uh, quite a bit when it comes to that. And I listened to that song time and time again when I was younger, and it really, it, it really affected my wordplay and like my writing style these days. That's interesting. But there are lines in that tune. Have you listened to it? Oh yeah, I, I was yeah. actually re-listening to it recently. Like uh, the chorus, if you will, or the pre-chorus. She comes back to tell me she's gone, as if I didn't know that as if I didn't know my own bed, as if I never noticed the way she brushed her hair from her forehead. Like, it's it's just, fuck, I don't know. Wow, like, some great. of it is really just, it's almost intangible. Right. But it really affected my childhood, so I had to put it on. And again, we're going to be talking about some of the more problematic approaches to Graceland here in a little bit with a new segment, but we'll get to that later. Yes. So, childhood for Cam Demetric, everybody. What uh, encapsulates was, that, this yours? This was tough because I, I wanted to do initially something off CCR's Chronicle, just because. Oh, nice! When I was very young, I was given my dad gave me that CD. Was it a tape or a CD? It was a CD. Was it volume one or volume two? Volume one. Fuck yeah! One. Uh, but it's what I thought music was. Of course. You know, like like you don't like I was too young to really comprehend. You don't argue CCR when you listen to it. And I was like, young. and for a while, I think you know this is when really young, like kindergarten, maybe first grade. I was good. I was like, this is fine. I'm I'm happy that there's yeah, right. they made twenty great songs. Right. And it's true, they're all still classics. They are still classics. I'm not sick of any of them. No. Um but ultimately when I think of my childhood, I decided more in line with it was Magic Dance. Oh David Bowie oh, in the oh, in Labyrinth. Oh, talk about left field. <laughs> I wasn't expecting I I thought you were gonna say Midnight Special or like Born on the Bayou or No, I I I flipped it. Not CCR. Magic Dance by David Bowie from uh from the movie Labyrinth. That's a really good tune to Same pick. same with like CCR being like what I thought music was when I was first given like any sort of allowance. I'd go to the video store yeah. and rent Labyrinth. Every week, I was never it even just to look at David Bowie's bulge. No, I never noticed the bulge, and now the bulge just like just like it's everywhere. All I can see, it's I'm huge. Just like my God, yeah. But I mean, I, I had to crush on Jennifer Conley to be honest. Oh, so did I, big time, dude. She, I mean, she's still gorgeous. I mean, it, she's it, she, she's a hero. She is a hero. Yeah. Also, that baby was ugly. The baby in Labyrinth <laughs> was not a good looking baby. Toby Fucking was not. Toby. A, he was not a good looking baby. Oh man, but there's so many good friends in that movie. I mean, Ludo oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what was the worm's name? Uh, I don't know if he had a name, but he had a British accent. Come in for a cup of tea. Yeah. The missus. <laughs> yeah. Um, good pick with Magic Dance, and I'm sorry to bring up the bulge again. No, I, I love the bulge. Good for him. Yeah, good for Bowie on the bulge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. Puberty. Puberty. Oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable just thinking about it. It's weird because this one was a media. I'm like, well, 
Yeah, it was immediate. For was me it? Was too. it for I you too? I did oh, not have, did to, have to hesitate because, yeah. like, yeah. you go, you get through puberty by latch, latching onto a song or yes. a group of songs, and that, those are those are your only friends for sure. Um, and when I was thinking, like, immediately came to my head, and immediately I got like a half boner that started rubbing up against my gym shorts that I was right. wearing at the time, and which made me feel like I was thrown back into the throes of puberty. Right. And the only song I could think of was "She" by Green Day. Off of 1994's Dookie. Best song on Dookie. I think it's the best song best on Dookie. Best song on Dookie. There's a lot it's of... It's the and, centerpiece. And I'll, I'll, again, I'll text you and remind you about Dookie Day, third oh, Sunday of every month. And if you're listening and you want to partake, let's all partake together. Maybe Dude, we even could do we'll a Zoom, We could do a Zoom party Dookie for Day. For Dookie. Yeah, yeah, that would be incredible. Um, but even at that age, like, you know, I was uh, maybe... I don't know. When do you even hit puberty? I hit puberty a little earlier than most... Um, I think I was maybe like 10 or 11, yeah. maybe. I was in fifth, go, going into sixth grade. And even then, I was I'd already... 10 to 14. Yeah. I was already feeling like a social tool without a use. Right. Even at that time, when I didn't even know what the fuck a social tool was. That is beautiful, because Green Day Dookie was the first CD. I bought two CDs that I bought with my own money. Yeah. And it was TLC, Crazy Sexy Cool, oh my Green God. Day Dookie. Yeah. Because those were the two CDs you buy right there. Exactly. At the, time. the what a t- Sam Goody. And they're like, I'm, you're like, how much Goody. for each? And they're like, I don't know, 30 bucks. <laughs> and you're like, that sounds reasonable. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'll take two copies of each. Yeah. There's a single for those songs too, also on a CD. And those are how much? Also $20. Also $20. Sure. Throw those in. <laughs> There's a remix. It's terrible. And an instrumental, which I'll never listen to. <laughs> Uh, but Green Day's She off of Dookie really actually at that time, and I didn't know it, uh, made me want to be a bass player because of oh, Mike wow. Durnt's really right. tasty little fills. He just has those Definitely he does. those tiny little turnaround fills that really make the tune for me. Yeah, that song, um, especially in my later years, has been like when I re-listen to Dookie, that one stands out. It really does. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's the one I DJ if I'm going to DJ something off Dookie. Yeah. Because it's not painfully what else are, obvious. Yeah, like, Honestly, if I'm not going to do that, if I'm drunk, yeah. what do you <laughs> I do playing? Welcome to Paradise. Oh, fuck yeah. And that gets a fuck yeah from someone. Oh, yeah. Oh, most people would go straight to Longview nah, nah, or nah, don't do When that. I Come Around. Oh, God. No, it's the worst song on the album. That. It is actually the worst song on the you record. You know what's underrated is Nimrod. Nimrod is Nimrod fucking fantastic. Nimrod is sick. That's a great record. Yes, it is. Okay, Puberty for Cam. I want to know. And you know what? I think I already know. If I don't know the actual song i know what artist it is it is blink 182's wasting time of course it is yes and that's from cheshire cat that's og that is super og yes that is that og kush oh dude you know what speaking hate to get off topic but someone learned something from our podcast and approached me about it oh wow Uh, do tell steve groan okay um said oh my god dude i had no idea i had no idea that dude wrench meant come which we spoke about on <laughs> right. one of our previous i learned episodes. that from a podcast called blink 155 where they review every blink song wow so yeah i knew i didn't know that too and i was like how did i not know that this whole time i was just that really makes... excited that people are learning shit from this podcast i was like well the cover has a has a bowl on it so you know it's a ranch it's, it's a ranch yeah that dudes go to in my a... mind you know my innocent nickelodeon brain was like there's also a show called hey dude hey dude right on a ranch so yeah. it's a, it's like it's like hey dude it's yeah. dude ranch right but it's no. not semen it's that's definitely weird. not semen yeah <laughs> okay talk about talk about your puberty wasting too. time yeah. uh so this is like the emo you know seventh grade song that 
I like because it's it's Mark Hoppus going. And this is his like emo boy chorus, right? He's like, sometimes I sit around and wonder if she's sitting around thinking of me and wondering if I'm sitting around thinking about her, or am <laughs> I just wasting my time? Oh, killed me every That's, time. I'm sure it just did. like early like developing brain. I'm like, those are golden lyrics. That's poetry. It, no one can it's write anything get, like this ever. It's not gonna did. get better than that. <laughs> And that's what I mean. That's what puberty does to a lot of people too. Yeah. It really opens the floodgates to uh, understanding, or at least receiving things so differently with your antennae. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like your feelers are out in like so many different places, and you're starting to listen to and repeat things in your mind. Yes. So God only knows how many failed relationships you had because of that song. <laughs> yeah, I never really um, noting a trend in my life. No matter who I dated. The, the girl was never into Blink-182. Weird. Uh, I don't think that's a popular thing. Really. No, it's not. And it's I, understandable because... Dude, one it's thing dick about and puberty, fart jokes right. encapsulated. Now, we're going to go here, but the thing about puberty is you grow out of it and you become a goddamn man. Of course. And if you hopefully. don't, and you keep making that kind of music, you end up being somebody like a predator, like somebody on Burger Records. Exactly, which is a great time to drop that. Also... For the record, I just want to state it here. Good fucking riddance, oh, Burger. Oh, good. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm really, really I've been sorry. Playing, to we've the been survivors. playing music in a while. Well, yes, of course. I'm not happy. The about victims, this, the survivors. You are awful. incredibly courageous for coming out and and speaking about these things because it is such a very vulnerable position to be in. But. I am so, like, not even just from the angle of seeing a giant fall. Fuck those kids. I knew and something was off. Like, something was weird. And I've talked to some friends about it because we've, we've played music for years. I've never been extensively close to the Burger Records group because right. I never really played music that would fit in there. I mean, Facial would be the closest, but we never were looking for Burger. Right. Because it was usually, like, not about the music. It felt about being how drunk you were. Exactly. And, like, how much of a slacker you could be. Exactly. Which and is not musicianship, by the of way. Of course, that ended up being people that were predatory on like high yep. school girls. Um, but I've also heard it explained like kind of like there's like a arrested development to a lot of these people that like because what I was telling someone like the best thing about getting out of high school that I can remember is I'm like I never have to date a high schooler again. Right. I never have to date a younger female. I'm like I'm, I'm gonna, like I'm, I'm, this is sick. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna date twenty year like I'm right. Like, yeah. I was like so looking forward to getting out of that yes. kind of drama. But so I'm like, why would you even want to go into that? And I guess it's either about control or it's about just like you never matured past that point. Right. And both is sad and it's inexcusable. Sad. It's it's incredibly inexcusable. Um, when when my mother divorced my father uh, and relocated us from Nashville, she relocated us after a remarriage to Fullerton, California. Right. Um, so I was around for those first days of Burger. Uh, the Audacity was one of the first Burger bands. Right. And I remember going to Generator shows in Hillcrest Park, which is a park in Fullerton. They were just like basically set up in the back of Hillcrest under a little like shade tent playing these shows. And that's kind of where this burger thing started, or at least where these bands started to do this like 60 revival, 60s revival type of like genre thing, this experiment for the time. Yeah. And things were weird then um, because all those kids at the time were 14 years old and they never grew out of that. As you were saying, right. like they, they, they were stuck in that mentality because it all started that way, which is they just never grew up, and yeah. they all and the, deserve. The stories I've read from a lot of those is just heartbreaking. It's fucking awful. It's, it's just like 
it's you can't even excuse them. They know what they're doing. They know exactly they know what, the fuck they're doing. what they're doing. There's a pattern down to it. It's it's unfortunate. I am I'm glad I never had to be that close to that whole scene. Yeah, I'm also glad that we grew out of puberty. So let's move on to high school, where I'll even school. I'll even grow up from there. Let's, let's... <laughs> Just barely. Okay, my high school jam. This was like this this song and it's funny we were just talking about this record outside before we started this. This was my moment of clarity and taste. Mm. One of my big sea changes that opened my doors expo- exponentially to new types of music and new experimentations with music. And kind of fittingly enough, my my tune that encapsulates my high school experience, which I actually didn't do the entirety of high school, I just did freshman year, um, is Broken Social Scenes. Anthems for a 17-year-old oh, girl shit. from You Forgot It in People in 2002. Yeah. See, that, that, that would be, for me, more into the college time. That's um, I heard that record really early on. Yeah, that's amazing. Funny, we were talking about <clears throat> being being a, more attracted to older women or, um, or just being attracted to older suitors or not wanting to date our age when we were just discussing the burger yeah. thing. Um, I lost my virginity, which we're about to get into uh, in the next <laughs> all segment. Right, all right. So this all kind of bleeds Spoiler together. Alert. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I lost my virginity to a 20-year-old when I was 15. Uh-huh. And she had great taste. Oh, she had Statch, fucking baby. Th- dude, she, I, I know. My mother was really upset about it. We went through a whole... It, it's long story. I love not, it. Not pod material. Um <laughs> But she had great taste in music, and she she gave me "You Forgot It" in People. She gave me "BRMC" by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, that first record that they put out, which is fucking incredible. She took your virginity and gave you the like godlike indie rock sex album for the ages. Yes, she gave me TV on the radios, uh, Desperate Youth, Bloodthirsty Babes, like all in this same period. The Faint, Blank Wave Arcade, like these were. It would have been like you sleeping with me. Which I still kind of want to do, but that's also not possible. No, our age, our age gap isn't that far. No, you're much older than oh, me. Oh, come man. on. I'm like two years <laughs> older than you. So that's my high school. I love like, it, the minor sexual tension we had. Like, well, they won't they? It's, it, wait, there, it, this is a Ross Rachel thing going on right now. <laughs> that's my high school jam. What was your thing in high school? Jesus Christ. I don't even want to talk. I want to talk about that song for the rest of the podcast. It really made me. Um, I used to want to do a documentary on the reaction people have when they first hear that song. Which is incredible. And I can remember very vividly the first time I listened to it. I actually decided I didn't want to do that because I was getting enough reaction. This is interesting that we were just talking about this. um, From women that have adverse reactions to that song because they find it too real. Stigmatizing? Oh, just Just like there's, there's an experience of that song that I don't think us like... Cis that males we'll, can really will never away. understand. Yeah, right? I don't. It's an, it's anthems for a seventeen year old girl, for and sure. any girl who's been seventeen has a different reaction to that song than right. we do when they truly listen to it. Yeah, and it is hypnotizing, and there's something in there that's all all too real. Yeah, and I was really. It makes it one of the best songs of all time. I, I agree. Like I was really, five. I was really emotional and really drug addled in those years, in those high school years. Um, so it hit me in a very severe way. Yeah. Um, obviously nowhere near what a female would be listening yeah. for and to when hearing that song for the first time. I don't know time. what they're doing in the production of that song, but it is perfection. It is perfection. And for those of you who haven't listened to Broken Social Scene at all, please start with their... 2002 album you forgot it in people it's uh, one of the best albums. it is of all one time. of the best albums of all time truly and that song that we were talking about uh that is so impactful is called anthems 
for a 17-year-old girl. Well, I'm going to try to match this with my high school. Because you don't need to match it, dude. I'm, 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 it's, it's, this is still a pretty powerful one. We both went powerful with our high school. High school Those are really for, formative, formative years. years. Yeah. Um, and it's a, the Pacific Northwest High School. Is it a Modest Mouse National tune? Anthem? Trailer Trash by Modest Mouse. Fuck yeah. Now that is a tune. So yeah. I would say that that, in a very different way, that matches what we were just talking they're about. They're similar in some ways. They're, they're Definitely. both... They're both a uh, little bit down tempo and and incredibly. Hypnotic. I mean, they're revolutions as far as storytelling goes. Yeah, Trailer Trash is, I, and you know how much of an early Modest Mouse fan I am. You know how much of an early Modest Mouse fan fan we both are. Like, you know, something I love about Isaac Brock in his early days is he'd write a verse, right, and he'd be like, nailed it, and then so the second verse, he'd be like, I'm going to repeat the first verse. I'll just jumble them. Right. Yeah. I'll just jumble, jumble the lines. The, jumble the lines. lines. Yeah. And it's. It's genius because I did want to hear those lines again because I'm like, were those lines really that good? Yeah, you know, and he knows they are. It also tells a different story when he jumbles them yeah. up a little bit. That's a really impactful song. That is quite possibly also one of the best Modest Mouse songs. Of it all is time. definitely top, 10. untouchable. Um, and also live, when I used to see them a lot live, there was this thing because there's this thing in the recording when they go to the chorus, I guess you could say, but it tucks down really low. And you should have seen the look on your face. But somebody goes face, yeah, in the recording. That's definitely and, Brock in the background. And everybody live, the crowd all does it. Oh. And like, like sometimes the drummer will emphasize it, and they'll like, they'll like, it's just a moment you have at a Modest Mouse. Show. I actually can't tell you how many times I've cried to both Modest Mouse's trailer trash and broken social scenes, anthems for a 17-year-old Jesus girl. Christ, our high school got real. Yeah, super <laughs> real. Fuck, hopefully, all right, it, well, hopefully it picks up a little bit. Let's with, calm it down with our first sexual, <laughs> sexual encounter. <laughs> so, boing. Boing, 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 um, <clears throat> this was awkward for me. I was yeah. 15 when I lost I'm, my I kind of mailed this one in, so yeah, continue. Um, I lost my virginity on top of a parking structure right down the street from my parents' house. Nice. And it was almost taken from me. Not in, a, not in an inappropriate way, but we were, we were making out on top of this parking structure, and she basically just said, okay, I'm going to have sex with you now. Right. And I hadn't had sex at, up until that point, obviously, so I had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, <laughs> minus what I had seen. Um, but she took it from me, and it was glorious. Don't it, tell it, me you're going to say this song was on during it. No, but okay. it was. It, she played it on the ride home. Okay, gotcha. It was a pretty short ride home. I also uh, cut you off because I didn't know how detailed you were going to get. No, I'm not going to tell. No, I'm not going to tell you like inch by inch here. Relax. Um, but she did play this on the drive home. We didn't speak. She took my virginity. We cleaned up the mess, so to speak. Right. We got in the car. We didn't really say much to each other. And on the way home, she played Lou Reed's Perfect Day off of Transformer 1972. You know Perfect Day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just a perfect day. Wow. Drink sangria. So, so is that, did that feel? Did that calm you down? <laughs> I I don't know what I was feeling at that moment. I guess I'm feeling it a little bit right now as I'm revisiting <laughs> it. I might have to go to the bathroom real quick. Right. Um, but it it was truly it it was just it was the thing to like to cinch the whole thing up. Like it it was it was perfect. It was a perfect time to play Perfect Day because it's just such a beautiful song with the string arrangements in the background and the chorus as well. The, mm. the piano accompaniment and like it was just a really great way to lose my virginity. 
Great. It's like, you know, it was a cool, like, 73 degrees out in the evening, hot days, cool nights, baby. And just getting ready for that perfect drive with perfect day. So every time I hear that now, every time I listen to Lou Reed's Transformer and Perfect Day comes on, I get a little, uh, get a little sweaty, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, let's move, to midnight. let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah this is weird. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go with Sex by 1975. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, oh, so this it's, is, you pick something that, that describes your first sexual encounter. Not necessarily, because it, it came out long after my first sexual encounter. Um, right. But it just has this sexiness to it and this, like, good time feel to it that it's always like i'm like damn that that song kind of does encapsulate like at least for me uh, like my kind of musical tastes like a good time having sex and i mean i, I have very positive experience from i was i was 16 okay so, so yeah you weren't that far behind nah. yeah we were at the same we had the same same age range we were there the same age at the yeah. time <laughs> um that's funny uh, that you just said that like yeah just Good time having sex. <laughs> I mean, it's such a weird thing to talk I about. I know. I'm podcast. sorry. It's so I like. Strange. I, I like, like that you're vulnerable. like making me like. <laughs> and I know it's uncomfortable, and it, the listener is probably really uncomfortable yeah, right now like, too. We're guys. We're not trying to just sit around and talk about our first <laughs> sexual encounters. What we're trying to do is, is I guess bring a little bit of levity to yeah. the subject too, because. You know, losing your virginity is such an awkward. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I feel like this song is. It seems a little there's like a little bit of evil to it, but it's all like young and youthful and good natured, right. like it is when you are first. I don't know, like you have your girlfriend in high school, and you're like, "Holy shit, we're gonna have sex!" Yeah, like, and you plan it forever, right? Yes, <laughs> or sometimes you don't plan it at all, and you're on top of a parking structure. Yeah, I remember with my girlfriend, we were like, "We're gonna wait till like the summer," and then it was just all of a sudden we're like, "We're doing this." We're do- yeah, you can't wait. Like we've been doing the, like the the foreplay, if you will, up to there, and those it's hormones. just getting. It's not. Those high school hormones are so much different than what we're yeah. feeling right now. Okay, so moving on to something even more uncomfortable maybe than your first sexual encounter. And everyone probably feels this way about this juncture in their life, but your early 20s. Oh. What do you got? I actually have a Modest Mouse song for my early 20s. Oh. Uh, due to all of the rampant alcoholism and cognitive dissonance that one young idiot can stand. Let me guess. Go for it. Polar opposites. Fuck, you are good, my friend. You are really fucking good. Because I feel like, well, as somebody that has not con- discontinued drinking, I feel like that song <laughs> is really <laughs> encapsulating my uh, current Your current life? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I get it, and I'm not going to judge you for it. Right, yeah. Um, for those who aren't familiar with early Modest Mouse at all, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Same but album, too. Wow. Off the Lonesome different, Crowded West, different which areas. was a record in 1997, For again, for those who are unfamiliar. So the chorus for this song, Polar Opposites, is I'm trying to drink away the part of the day that I cannot sleep away. Like one of the most Just sensible in quarantine. <laughs> one of the most like simple ways to approach the songwriting, but for the I, mean, I, I feel was, like that's a lyric you'd write down and wrestle with yourself for a while if it's stupid as fuck or right. genius. And the way that it's executed in this particular fashion, that, yeah, that is helps fucking a lot. genius. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that, and that encapsulates the entirety of my early twenties. I was just drinking so much. 
um, and just being like a pretty depressive dude. I mean, not much has changed. I mean, look at me right now. I'm a pretty depressive guy, if you know what I mean. But uh, at least I'm a sober depressive guy. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So uh, early 20s for you. Uh, let's, let's, let's get also, into it. Also, just complete party song. It was my early 20s anthem, I'll Believe in Anything, Wolf Parade. I love that. That it is was, a really good choice, dude. I mean, every party we had. I mean, it was all the all the organ boys, all the homies. When we'd, when we'd party, that song would. I mean, even up to it, it, my wedding, people crowd surf. I mean, it's a song where we all go nuts, and everyone's screaming the lyrics. There's too. yeah, and there's so many parties where it was like a mil, or just feels like a million people are around you loving this, or maybe everybody was hating it. I right. have no idea. We were doing it. We were listening to "I'll Believe in Anything." Well, it just if you hear that those that terrible sounding keyboard like everybody i know will turn and they're it like goes oh eight. shit yeah, like here it comes it's this is the big one i mean it's one of the biggest anthems of the 2000s and uh, like although it is their biggest single and it, it hurts or their biggest song it hurts to say it is one of their best songs oh yeah it's too. their best song it's yeah. definitely my favorite song so there. late 20s hopefully we've learned a little bit mm. from our early 20s but not Mm-mm. really no um afraid not my late 20s was kind of uh, dominated by one record. And, uh, God, it took so long for me to become a fan of the boss of Bruce Springsteen. Okay. took so long. It was Nebraska, Uh, wasn't it? It was fucking Nebraska. And the song is obviously Atlantic City. Oh, yeah. Which is an incredible tune. Jesus Christ. Doesn't Um, get better. Because of his perceived patriotisms, which Mm -hmm. I found out later in life, are actually more, uh, it's more satire Absolutely. or it's more yeah. observational. Like a track like Born in the USA, people are like used to weaponize their patriotism when really it's a it's a discourse on right. like how awful this country can be a lot of the time. Yeah, it's just like CCR we mentioned earlier. So exactly. So it took me a long time um, until I was on, we had, I, w- I was touring with the Dead Ships quite a bit in my late 20s and Devlin, the lead singer, mm-hmm. Said, have you? I was getting into Born in the USA, the right. record at the that record. time. And he's like, dude, why are you listening to that garbage? Have you heard Nebraska? Oh, nice. And I hadn't. And he played it from start to finish on one, uh, one hell of a long drive. And at Atlantic City, I like I, the whole thing. I've listened to the whole record time and time again since then. But Atlantic City has that desperation to it yeah you know that's great because i actually i heard it first time on tour with facial too really because but the funny thing is we had driven through nebraska yeah but then we were in new jersey and we were trying to listen to artists from, from each new jersey state, yeah, each state. Sure. and we're like well the boss is new jersey yep. and i'm like damn i've never like listened to nebraska all the way through and we listened through it and i remember like song three or four we were like we should have listened to this nebraska in nebraska because it's a nothing <laughs> like, drive this isn't the right setting we should have and you know unfortunately we actually missed every that, time but. i'm on the road now and i hit nebraska i listen to nebraska oh just it, because it, i'm sure easy. it's perfect it's yeah a, it's a beautiful album desperate late 20s man yeah what's your desperation uh, look like it's not a song that dominated my late 20s. Definitely came out in my late 20s, but definitely lyrically felt like it encapsulated it when I reflect. And that's Stay Useless by Cloud Nothings. I don't know if I know that one. Uh, it's, uh, Give me a little no- bit of backstory on it. Uh, it's, it's on their, I guess their second or third, their breakout album, um, Attack on Memory. But it's kind of the single one. It's, it's kind of pop punky. But it's a fantastic, Cloud Nothings, 
are a fantastic band. They they're, have been. They're, are they underrated? Would oh, you big say? time! Yeah. Uh, but they've they've been consistently releasing great great albums for the last since 2010, 2008. But this one, "Attack on Memory," the song "Stay Useless," the chorus is, "I need time to stop moving. I need time to stay useless." Huh? And that feels like it just very succinctly ca- like shows sums up, like, yeah, the sums late twenties. Yeah. The late twenties, where I was also touring and just being like, yeah. "This is gonna happen. Just, just stay the course." Right. Exactly. Which, of course, it has happened and hasn't happened, and you had it, then it got taken away, and then you had it again. Right. Yeah. So, isn't but, that fun being a musician and, oh, yeah. and being successful, and then realizing that success truly is only about fifteen minutes long? But I mean, it's a, it's a good message to time too. You know, I need For time sure. to stop moving. I need time to stay useless. The song uh, was granted to us this year. Time yeah. to stop oh moving, my God, and yes. we have plenty of time to stay useless. What we should have done is thrown an, a track 11 on this list and done a pandemic song, yeah. but that would have been too on the nose. Yeah, I was thinking, like, is there going to be a COVID song? Because like, <laughs> I was actually thinking about that because for that, I was thinking Polar Opposites. Yeah. <laughs> Which, on my end. It's, it's funny that my early 20s song is your pandemic song, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> I mean, why not act like you're why in your not, early 20s? Dude. You can do anything. <laughs> early 30s is our 30s. next category, and that is a great uh, segue because obviously in your early 30s, you start thinking about everything you've done and haven't done in your life, and you definitely start thinking too much. And also, I realized when I was looking at this list, I am so fucking predictable. How many times have <laughs> I talked about The Boss or Paul Simon or Modest Mouse or Broken Social Scene? It seems like you and I have you know, variations on a theme where we are speaking of the same pretty pinnacle artists. I mean, we know what we like and we like it. For sure. You know? And on that note, my early 30s song is New Order. Oh, I know. Off of Power, Corruption, and Lies, 1983. Leave Me Alone. Okay. The song's called Leave Me Alone. I don't know particularly that song. I really want you to listen to it because it's it's just basically about like understanding the constructs of islandhood. You know, mm. like being a person and dealing with other people in the space of other people and understanding that all people are kind of islands unto themselves. And you have to you really have to learn how to communicate with another island, but also in the same breath, how to withdraw from that and say, leave me alone. Like I need alone time. I need time to be my own space right now. Time to stay useless. Time to stay useless, which I feel like my early 30s have really been that. I mean, I'm 32 right now, so I'm still well within my early 30s. You're obviously 37 or something, so maybe 34. Okay, so you're in your mid 30s. I do oh, <laughs> But I am under like I am after all the rampant again rampant alcoholism of my early 20s into mid to late 20s, and like reflecting now, especially with everything that's going on, I I do want most people to leave me alone most of the time. Right. No, I get it. Um, minus like my good friends, which I only have a few of. Yeah. You know, no. you this is the time where you definitely don't want to pe- be around people you don't have to, you I don't become, know yet. Or I'm don't. an antisocial extrovert now, which is a really strange yeah. thing to be. I feel like a lot of people are falling into that category. Right. And you had germs on that and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, let's just not, Whoa. let's just not hang out. Yeah. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Okay, let's do your mid thirties, early thirties. <laughs> which fucking until I'm thirty five, I still am in as far as I'm concerned. Um, I wanted to do well. Okay, so my early thirties have kind of I don't want to rub this into your lonely face about love. 
Uh-huh. You know, oh, thanks. It's when I got married. Perfect. I can't wait to talk about love and how happy you yeah. are and how much, you know, like consenting want, conjugal dude? sex you've been having. <laughs> what do you want? For the We're past just... five months. <sighs> this is sorry. great. I'm so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> hey, Jess. Hope you're listening to this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm joking, dude. You know, but, I'm fucking with you. I mean, our song Strangers by the Kinks, so that's, that's what incredible. first came, came yeah. to mind. But, you know, it was like our wedding dance song. You were there, right? Uh, I wasn't invited, which also we've discussed on the pod <laughs> I didn't before. know you. Thanks for, you just said you didn't want to rub anything in, and then you straight up rubbed it in my face that I didn't get a wedding invitation. Uh, I just saw an in, and I, I took it. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. But I'm not going to go with that because I feel like what more feels like I listened to it a lot more in my yeah. early 30s, and it's also a, just, a, I think it's a beautiful song about love, is Love by Kendrick Lamar. I don't think I've heard that. Oh, what is that off? It's of? on Damn. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's oh, it's just beautiful, beautiful song about love. So, would you say that you and your your marriage, you and your marriage with Jess, has like exponentially budded or or flowered or like yeah, become been, this even more wonderful, it, amazing thing? As time yeah, has I gone mean, on? pandemic's obviously tough because you know we're trying to figure out how to how to survive. financially make sense of all this, right. but it's definitely brought us closer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the 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 pandemic has done one of two things to couples. It's either split them up, or it's it like obviously uh, cemented the bond between them. Yeah, we're we're still on the same page about what we want to do day day by day. Anyway, yeah. like we're chill, just like following the rules of this and staying inside. Well, I'm glad you talked about love for a second. I know I didn't I didn't want to love, but that's that's how my my early 30s had a lot of love in them. You know, so. dude, I've had glimpses of love too. I don't mean to come off as this like yeah. crotchety old lonely bastard <laughs> like, like, who just doesn't believe love exists. Yeah, I mean, um, even Jess and I, you know, we had hard hard times at the beginning when you're dating in your 20s and you think you're a goddamn rock star. Of course, but we got through any of that, and we we just love being together. And well, the song "Love" by Kendrick Lamar bumps, and we love to bump it. Well, whenever you renew your vows, oh, I sound so white and lame. You best you that did that old country road by <laughs> Little Nas X. Oh, so lame. <laughs> it's all right. I'm in my mid thirties. Whenever you renew your vows, you better fucking invite me. Oh, you will. Yeah, you'll be. You'll I'm gonna be officiate you'll be, your yeah, vow. You'll be renewal. officiating it, and, and can you please just keep it condensed? Yeah, <laughs> we're not looking for no, a full. Podcast. I'm gonna do a goat parade vow renewal. Yeah. It's gonna be two and a half hours. If long. you're not speaking only in weaker than's lyrics, I'd rather you not do it at all. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, aspirations, aspirations. So well, you and I have talked about this song. Actually, not not at length, but I know we're both a fan of the song, and I know you're gonna agree with me here. Okay. Um, Public Image Limited. Oh. Rise. Is this the second time you brought this into no, a list? First time. We talked about it. I think we've point. only discussed it, but this is the first time I'm really bringing it into a list because this is truly what I aspire to be right it's one now. One of my favorite punk rock songs of all it time. It is, and it's considered maybe even post punk at the time Not for the either. genre. Like, but I'm it is taking it back. Punk. That song's punk. And for those who don't anger know, Anger is an energy. Anger is an energy. For those who don't know, Public Image Limited, also known as Pill, it's uh, like the first dance punk song. It know? is. And it's from John Lydon is the front man for this group, and he was also Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. So that classic snarl has come back. This was in 1986, you know, well after the Pistols disbanded. This was off of Pill's fifth album, 
too. Just called album. Yeah, I got that album. Of um, it's fucking sick. It is so FFS good. before Dude, that song. It's incredible. Uh, but this song in particular, um, also coincidentally enough, the song was written about the apartheid in South Africa, which we're we're gonna get into. Still going to talk about in this. Can new you believe segment. we're gonna get into that? Yeah, so crazy. What a wild episode. What a wild episode. Um, but as opposed to glorifying anger or continuing to victimize oneself over the trivialities in life, now finally I'm learning to weaponize it. And Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, singer of Public Image Limited, uh, the refrain in this song, the chorus, well, it's not necessarily a chorus. It's more of like a post-chorus. But he's chanting, almost screaming, anger is an energy over and over again. Yeah. And it's one of the most triumphant honest things I've heard in a very long time. Yeah. And I want to continue to get to that point in my life. I want to aspire to be that person, yeah. to weaponize my anger as opposed to just sit around feeling fucking sorry for myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely feels like an anthem for right now. Like, yeah, especially with all the injustice happening. Yeah. You know, some of the lyrics in the verses, I, I could be wrong, I or could be right, I could be lyrics, black, yeah. I could be white, yeah. you know, like in the choruses, may the road rise with you to be followed by anger is an energy. It's such a goofy song. Too, it is goofy. You know? It's crazy goofy because there's a lot of like string arrangements yeah, in it as well. Like the first time you hear it, you almost write it off. You're like, this song's fucking silly. Yeah. But and then, then you like, really nah, listen nah, to this it. Is, this is fucking dope. And then <laughs> you, know, you listen you like, to it again. Yeah, and you by, start listening to the words. By the time you're done, you're screaming anger and energy, energy yeah. out of your car window. And you feel it. Yeah. Like, it's not just a sentiment being it's passed grower, on yeah. to you. You fucking feel that in your bones, man. Yeah. That's a great one. All right. What's your aspirations in life? Um, by the way, I was going to bring Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville oh, to that Jesus one. But Christ. I didn't. Because it's time to be. That's probably more realistic. <laughs> uh, I actually I brought LCD Sound Systems all my friends. Oh, cool! Because that's a huge song too throughout my life. Just like Wolf Braids, I'll believe in anything. Um, but that one, I always feel like every year I feel like I'm closer to understanding the lyrics of what it means. And I don't think you fully understand the lyrics of that song till you get a little older. You're maybe I. I what do you think he was when he wrote the lyrics to that song? Like 40, between 40, 45? Probably, somewhere around there. Um, but I don't know, maybe with everything going on this year, it's easier to reflect or easier to feel those lyrics right now. But it's definitely like somebody who's been through what almost feels like a lifetime. Absolutely. And just what really was important, you know? Like you wouldn't trade money for the memories for anything is basically a lot what's of that. that line i wouldn't trade one stupid, stupid decision for, for another five years, years of life. life yeah fuck that yeah that line and is i really feel like becoming more the line bad. gives me chills but like i don't think i'm quite there to agreeing with that i don't know and you feel like you're inching towards that you're getting there yeah like uh and the kids seem impossibly tan like just yeah. things like like <laughs> uh like that do resonate more and more you know as we're getting older but still yeah. that's that's actually i want to understand that song because it feels wise and it feels um fully like you fully matured and you fully like get what's important and yeah. you can like start that that you know beyond the the later years chapter Absolutely. that we have lastly you know yeah that's a dude. That's a really good pick. That's a really good slot. I'm actually feeling really sentimental and sappy right now. Yeah, me too. I'm a, I got a little that. emotional. God, it's now. good to see you, dude. Oh man, it's good Fuck. to see you too. All right, let's wrap Will this they list or up. Won't they? 
Um, okay, last track 10, later years. And of course, being predictable, I'm going to again talk about the number one influence in my life, John Prine. Oh, wow. Uh, still rest in peace. I know we've talked about it. I think maybe the last pod we talked about it, which was still a couple So much has ago. happened since we started this podcast. Your like, greatest influence was has died of by COVID. the disease. Oh, that... fuck you, tits. But he has a song Jesus. off of his second album, 1973's Sweet Revenge, called Please Don't Bury Me. And it's... It, I just love that. Sorry, I laughed. No, 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 no. An appropriate title for it's your so, later years. It's for later years and for his passing. Like, I've been playing this song, not only listening to it, but playing it on my Tennessee flat top box ever since he died. Oh, man. Um, and it selflessly humorizes the ungraspable acceptance of death. You know, yeah. like, give my stomach to Milwaukee if they run out of beer. Put my socks in a cedar box. Just get them out of here. Uh, Venus Del Mayo can have my arms. Look out, I've got your nose. Sell my heart to the junk man and give my love to Rose. Like, it's just him basically saying, like, please don't bury me in the ground. Like, just give my fucking body parts away. Yeah. Um, which is how... I want to understand death in my later years. I want to view it very comically right. um, to where I can approach it and just laugh at the fucker in its face and say, take me. Like, right. I've seen too much. I've done too much. I've been too sad. I've been too happy. Just don't bury me. Whatever you do, just don't bury me. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what the song gets at. Wow. And I feel like that kind of sums up everything about what we've been talking about yeah Yeah. just the last way to view it is comically you know you're just like well like dude if you're not pissing into the wind when that tornado's about to take you then you're just running for your life and actually missing out on kind of the The last last fun moments of your life the last inevitable joy (laughs) right all right last one for you later years what's daddy looking like Uh, um i actually have a very obscure pick from this group called Ghost Mice. Okay. And uh, I think maybe... Never heard of Ghost Mice before. I, I heard this song in high school and it was early internet, you know, LimeWire-y days. Oh my God, I miss LimeWire. Uh, no, and, I don't. And I think they came from Defiance, Ohio, maybe. I don't know, but I think it's uh, just a duo. And they have the song called The Devil in My Family. And it's just like kind of jangly indie folk. There's like a version that you could see online, but it's like new... I don't know when they did it, and it's kind of pop punky. It's not the version that I'm talking about. You have, it's only on like YouTube. It's annoying, but it's just this beautiful story about the protagonist of the song, his grandpa selling his soul to the devil, and no one believed him, and he's like, until he was dead, and then it just goes on the story of like his whole family and how he like interpolates himself through his his wife and his father and his grandpa. And then eventually, like, his grandchild. It's just, like, beautifully told story that ends with him being, like, and the devil sang with me on my shoulder, like a friend that never leaves. Huh. It's just this... And you said that band was Ghost Mice? Yeah, and it's just this... Be- like, the way it's it, the whole thing unfolds is just perfect. It sounds like a perfect life to yeah. me. Even though it's just, like, kind of quirky story. It just has so much emotion in it. And that's just, like, how I'd want to feel, like... Like all these, like I could write a song in my later years. I could write a song that has a chapter from each part of these absolutely things we said. Like each, like a stanza from high school, from early twenties, from early thirties, and it would be this beautiful story. Right. I don't know. 
Oh, I don't know. Kind of sappy with it again. Dude, I don't know. we are. I'm actually like I'm almost being moved to tears right now <laughs> from your last two picks, <laughs> or just even just getting into our later year later years right now because we're kind of theorizing on yeah, what our lives we don't even know what like. tomorrow is going to look like. No, dude, I could die. I could get hit by a bus as soon as I leave this building yeah, right now. Congress won't make up their mind about anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been one hell of a list, dude. Wow! Uh, yeah, it got. I didn't it got know it was going to. I didn't know it was going to get yeah. weird and awkward and vulnerable with that whole first sexual encounter thing, and then I didn't know it was going to get <laughs> sad and like truly, uh, I guess, transparent with our later years and who we want to be. But right. I feel like I know you a little bit more yeah. now. I feel like I know me a little bit more <laughs> now. Well, um, thank you guys for joining in on this first listomania since we've been back. It, it felt necessary to reintroduce ourselves in a in a different type of way. Uh, and also, thank you to all our Patreon fans that have stayed with us. Yeah, seriously, guys. through this entire time, um, all the money from May to now has been donated to Black Lives Matter. Perfect. And we're switching that up now every month. The Patreon money goes to different charities. Uh, that we choose, and if you have some in mind, reach out to us. Uh, for this month, we're going with Neva. Because it's really necessary right now, too, as Which this pandemic a, rages on. Yeah, save our stages thing, because it's, it's, it started affecting L.A. pretty heavily already. We lost the satellite since we've last talked. R.I.P. And we've lost also new, a great new venue, The Factory. R.I.P. That place ripped. But the satellite, I'm sure, aka Spaceland, you've had so many people countless. have. So I cannot tell you how many shows I've played there, and I know it's the same for you. I mean, I can't even begin to describe. I mean, I definitely wrote. You know, it's the kind of thing. In the morning I heard about it, I wrote like a whole passage down in my notes, just like I had to get it all out, and I was going to maybe share it on social media about my. And it was just like I couldn't even do that. I was just yeah. like, I need to. This is just something for me to like reflect on all that, but. Just long story short, like the first show my band Von Prosta ever played at Spaceland was like a Wednesday night at midnight. Yeah. And we were so stoked. You oh, know, yeah. We were, because at that time, too, it was a completely different beast. But still, it wasn't a great slot. It wasn't a great night. But we were like, we're playing Spaceland. We're playing. Sp this is it, guys. Yeah. And it was probably 20, 25 people, maybe. And we were like, this it doesn't is matter. Night. Yeah. Yeah, but, how many memories can be, like, if these walls could talk kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, my big thought I wrote down when, when I heard that we lost. I mean, the, it's still going to be open. Apparently, they're going to turn it into a, a restaurant. restaurant bar, which L.A. needs another one of those. Right. My, my big thought on it was that a piece of the reason to live in Los Angeles is it's gone. gone. Yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's a really astute way to put it. It um, was just, like, my first time there, you know, when I first got here, I was like following bands on Pitchfork and Titus Andronicus had just started getting buzz and I saw they were playing Spaceland and it was free. And I'm like, well, let's go. Yeah. And he played it like, his, they played it like 8.30 for like six people and just tore the roof off the place. And I was like, what is this spot? This Why? is amazing. Yeah. This is, how can this exist? It's yeah. such a behemoth of a metropolitan And going upstairs area. and I'm like, are people smoking? You can smoke up you here? You can smoke up. And, and also they had the, the conversation bubbles too that you could hear someone Yeah, but from. you didn't know that immediately. No, you, know, you You've didn't. been at Spaceland a lot of times before you realize what those do. Exactly. You and then hear. you could start hitting on people from across the room. It was a, it was a whole thing. I remember uh, when I first moved to L.A., I was 18, and I had a fake ID, and I was Mark Allen Gallagher from Phoenix, Arizona. 
And in my, I was 37 years this old. This is classic Gallagher. I, 37? 37. And in oh, my, that's getting extreme. In my photo, I had, it wasn't me, obviously. It was a real ID. It was Mark Allen Gallagher. And it was bleach blonde tips, a Hurley shirt, and puka shells on. But Yikes. at the time, Spaceland didn't actually look at the ID. They just scanned it. They just okay. like put it through the machine so they would let me in every time. Right. So to underage drink, that would that was the only place I could go to see a show in underage drink, yeah. which I did plenty of. And one of the first shows I saw was a war paint show, yeah. part of their residency. I remember their residency. Way sure. back when. And I had that same feeling. How can this place exist? Yeah. How can this life exist? Everything that I've dreamed of as a teenager leading up to now is actually coming true. Yeah, it's it's just the spirit, especially Los Angeles bands that were breaking. Yeah. That, and they knew they were breaking. They were getting signed. Of course. And they were going on tours and they were coming home to mm-hmm. Spaceland. Yeah. Those shows we're feeling so triumphant. Like I saw, you know, even local natives, the Meishi, like I saw the Meishi play a show, this kind of thing they did where the guitar player would go all the way to the back of the crowd, the back of Spaceland where the soundboard is. Right. With the pair, remember the parachutes you yeah. had in uh, gym class? Uh-huh. Yeah. And pull it over the crowd and we'd all sit on it and then like throw it up God. when like the beat kicked. Ah, it was just like incredible little things like that. And this is making me really sad that the that- iconic blue and gray curtains the curtains that you the see and curtains. just ruin any picture you take oh, yeah. of a band playing it just Definitely. looks immediately like a high school graduation it's or like so, you're playing at a quinceanera or yeah. something yeah <laughs> just ruins if you take a picture with the flash on of a band playing it's at old school spaceland when they had the blue and silver it's just like the worst picture god rest in rest in uh rest in power satellite spaceland um and all incarnations thereof yeah so please, if you, guys, if you guys are not Patreon members, and again, as Cam stated, thank you to those who have stayed with us. We have donated that money to Black Lives Matter, which is you know, the apexal um, cause to be to focus on right now. Right. Um, but uh, for this month, or for these next couple episodes, we'll, we will be giving it to NEVA, which is the National Independent Venue Association. Yeah, um, that's trying, and to, they're doing a lot of cool. They really are, and, and, and I think too. the hashtag is Save Our Stages. I know we've yeah. talked about it before. We, we have one for you, but even uh, even as we talked about this a couple of months ago, things were looking up a little bit. They're not looking up anymore, um, and this is for venues across the not. nation. Now, so. interesting enough, for our Patreon members, I, I didn't tell you, but right before we stopped, this is a while ago when we started getting some engagement with them, right? Uh, I, I, I asked them if they wanted to ask you a question. Oh, man, why are you doing that? And I, I got a couple of responses whoa, 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 whoa. You from put, our Patreon. Wait, members. hold on. Are you about to put me on the spot with questions? Absolutely, or? yeah. I just, got them, I just pulled them up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, are you ready? Wait, so you're hold, hold get, on. You're telling me that if you become a Patreon member of the Go Parade, you're going to engage with them and they get to ask us questions? Yeah, they, or at least you. I mean, I, I don't want to ask them to ask me questions. I figure like it's fun, more fun. Well, for I'm going to have to get on the Patreon and yeah, get you them got, questions you got, you got the pass- to ask same you password. because this isn't fair. You're yeah, putting me on not, the spot right now. I know. This is fun, right? This feels like judge and jury at the yeah. moment. Um, okay. So you ready for these? I got a couple of I them. I guess. Let them rip. All right. Uh, Jocelyn Harris. Oh, Joss. I miss you, Jaws, by the way, if you're listening to this. She wants to know, what's your writing process like when creating a new song? Wow. That's a tough question. Jocelyn coming in with the hard shit. Um, Jocelyn's one of my favorite fans, and I met her through a completely different band, but uh, she's she's become a fan of my tunes. And Jaws, if you're listening, I can't 
appreciate you more for that. But it, I think you and I have talked about the process too. With me specifically, it usually starts with a line. It starts with a line of poetry that I've right. been writing. Um, I love when a song starts that way. It, my songs usually do because I'm not a guitar player. Right, and it feels like there's direction right off the bat. Uh, right, immediately. Uh, because a line or a sentiment evokes uh, what key that you could play in or what type of riff it's going to be or you know what type of even like getting genre specific is this going to be more of a down tempo thing or is this going to be more of an angry you know consolation um so f- with me it usually starts with one line with one poetic line or a stanza of lines um that I have no intention of making a song out of and it just kind of evolves from there yeah Joss I hope that that suffices as an answer to your question i mean that that's like an hour long answer if you wanted we could really get into a whole new podcast just about that well i think a lot of musicians start with a riff um but because i'm not an experienced or weathered guitar player i rarely as a guitar player myself i rarely start with a riff you did really rarely so what do you start with you think yeah a lot of the same same way sometimes it's always different but yeah yeah rarely riff these days it starts with a mood. Let's. Right. I think that's the answer. Yeah, you want to be able to see the picture at least a little bit before you really dive in. I think it's hard to translate a mood as well. Like right. if you're sitting there and you're sad and you're thinking to yourself or happy or elated, uh, you know, so many different feelings that you can have. If you can translate that and do it vulnerably and honestly, I think that's maybe the most difficult thing about songwriting. But that comes through for the listener too, because you know when you're listening to a song and it's forced, we call that pop music. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Wow, questions are rough. This one's one's tough too from Shauna Pear. Hi, Shauna. I love you. Oh, hey, Shauna. Yeah, Shauna rules. Shauna and I have recently kind of become friends over the social medias. Yeah, she's uh, fantastic. And uh, she wants to know, this is a tough one, do you think it's true more times than not that people's favorite album in a band's catalog is the first one they listen to? And if you do find it true or somewhat true, why do you think that is? I feel like we are creatures of habit. Right. And, and to, to answer your question, Shauna, I am going to say yes. I believe it is <laughs> true more times than not that the first record you listen to from a group is your favorite record. I would say depending on how far you deep dive into that band. True. Because a lot of times it's your favorite just because you chose to stop there. Also very true. But that record as a time capsule, the first time you listen to it, if it has an effect on you, if it changes you, it's hard to break that relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you've now... You you have this rapport with a record, right. you know, like, and it it takes a little bit of commitment to sit down and listen to a full record and be engaged in it. I, I actually would say, I mean, as an avid music listener, not necessarily. I don't right. think personally, just because like some artists, they're not every album is going to resonate with you, but the one that does does for a reason because you you're like this one's the best of her like. Or it's like, I really like Sandy Alex G, or now it's just Alex G, but I could not get into any of his albums that have come out the last decade, even though I've been told by so many people he's that great. great. Yeah. And then the one last year just really hit me, yeah. House of Sugar. I was like, this album's amazing, it's perfect. And I have gone back and listened to his, and I still think it's the best. And it was not the first I heard, but you know, sometimes an artist's best is so obviously their best yeah. that it doesn't matter if it's what you heard first, I'd say. Right. I don't know. For me... 
It, it is usually the first record. I'll answer that way. Yeah. Uh, because I have a very special relationship with that record from yeah. that point. That doesn't mean I'm going to negate other records or not love them as much. But that first record for me, uh, especially since I am a creature of habit and I listen to a lot of the same records that I've listened to my entire life, um, those are the first records that I ever heard by those artists. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like situations even when I know I'm wrong. Like I like Yoshimi. Battles of Pink Robots more than the Soft Bulletin. And I know What I'm was wrong. the first record you listened to? Yoshimi. Yoshimi. Gotcha. Yeah. And I heard Soft Bulletin. I'm like, this is great too, but right. Yoshimi's my love. And I know I'm wrong. I know Soft <laughs> yeah. Bulletin's a better It's album. better than Yoshimi. Yeah, but Almost I don't like, care. It, like leagues better than Yoshimi as it's, far as I mean, I'm concerned. So, yeah, the, yeah. Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots Part 2 is borderline unlistenable. <laughs> it is. It really is. Like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, did I ever enjoy this song? How did I listen to this and take it seriously? How many drugs is Steve Droids done? <laughs> well, those were hard questions, man. Yeah. Um, but that's what you get if you're a Patreon member. You get to interact with You have with one more from Ben Haywood. Oh, fuck. Is Ben about to come with a fury? And this one is aged poorly. And <laughs> the the question itself has yeah, aged poorly because we're together it's been a couple today. Of months because we're yeah. together today, and it, it piggybacks off some of the um, stuff we talk about when we were isolated. He says, "Are you naked right now?" <laughs> oh yeah, I was supposed to do the next episode naked. And uh, this is a two parter. And if you're not, get naked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing, Ben. If you're listening to this, which certainly you are, because you're one of our five listeners. Um, and apparently one of our five Patreon members. Um, I will do the next episode naked because we certainly won't be face-to-face for the next one. Right. Um, and I can't get naked right now because yeah, it'd be, the question of will they or won't they with Cam and I and our, our yeah, sexual tension, for if sexual I got naked talk. right now, shit would be going down. Yeah, it'd be... It'd, He'd be going through a divorce. Right. And this whole talk of love that Cam was We're supposed to stay social... On top of that, we're supposed to stay far apart anyway. Yeah, so It's yeah. just not a good idea. Ben, I promise you, though, the next episode... Thanks for that one, Ben. It's yeah, real weird. Yeah, the next episode that we do in satellite format, I swear to you, I will do it naked. And also, how about this? If you're listening to this and you're not a Patreon member... And you would like to be a Patreon member because you would like your monthly Patreon subscription to be donated to not only Black Lives Matter, but Neva. And I'm sure we're going to focus on the Innocence Project and so many other really massive charitable causes that need it right now. If you become a Patreon member after this episode, the next episode that we do satellite, that I do naked, I will snap a photo. No. And no, it might, my, my, obviously, my. My regions will be covered. Okay, good. Just um, proof. Just a proof photo. Just a, just proof Waist of concept. Up. Waist up and, or thigh down. And yes, Maybe and we will one of send. Each. We will send you the photo of me doing the next satellite episode naked. <laughs> we just lost all our. Patreon That's what members. you get. That's what you get if you want <laughs> to. <Okay. laughs> Let's mind. see how many fans we have after hearing that. Or ask us questions. That's good too. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to solicit nudie pics from al yeah, and, and, although he really wants to give them out uh but it's not going to be a dick pic first of all i want to make that known no, it's, yeah, it's going known. to be a it's tasteful be, it's tasteful half nude yeah. but i i will cover myself like maybe i'll do it like a guitar photo Ooh, you know? that'd be hot yeah right i think that'd be sexy <laughs> maybe one where you're looking behind behind you or like a like a booty snap <laughs> photo mm. like uh like a Nicki minaj yeah i like that menage a trois 
Oh, weird. Okay, so now, as we're about to end this great return of the GOAT Parade, we are going to, because we do want to learn, and especially with all of the... And make ourselves vulnerable. We are two white cisgender males in our early to mid-30s who have a ridiculous amount of privilege simply just by the lottery of birth. And that's something to focus on. And if you're listening out there and you're having a problem wrestling with your privilege we understand that it's a difficult conversation to have with yourself but it's also one of the most important things because the second you can get in front of your privilege you can weaponize it for the better so we're going to check ours so we're going to check our privilege in this new segment called privilege all right so this is a new segment i'm loving this it's going to be fun we're going to try this out and we're going to get into Culture influences well, on sure. music, and that also for the listener, like if, well if we known. are wrong, please let us know. Yeah, um, this is us really trying to to bring the conversation. Like after the entirety of the wank off that you just heard of another goat parade episode, we really just kind of want to bring it down to a much more sincere level here. Yeah, and talk about the things that have influenced us and the things behind those things. So you bringing it back to Graceland on your bringing end. it back to Graceland, and since it is side B and it's my episode, I guess I'm going to lead off Susan and I'm going off. to be the guinea pig on this one. So Paul Simon's Graceland, 1986. If you are a Paul Simon fan, you're a Graceland fan. And if you're a Graceland fan, you definitely know, or at least hopefully know, that this album is incredibly problematic. Uh, now, you've, you've heard it. You've obviously heard what African influence this album has within it from start to finish. There's not a song that doesn't benefit it's from... It's based upon it's, that it's idea. Completely. And also... With this privilege check segment, it's it's important to be honest about um, maybe how wrong these decisions were. So although Graceland turned out to be an incredible commercial success and actually uh, elevated the careers of a lot of these South African musicians, um, including Ladysmith Black Mombazo, which was right. the, the choir yeah. that's featured... It, through most of the record. And so many on, amazing musicians. Incredible. All the way through. And I'll get to them up. in a second. Simon went through a commercial slump. The record before Graceland was called Hearts and Bones. I loved the record, but it was it was basically critically panned from left to right. So Simon felt that he needed to up his musicianship a little bit or at least branch out. Um, and he found a mixtape or was given a mixtape of some South African township music. So Simon being the privileged fucking asshole he was at the time and trying to reinvent himself, he ignored an international boycott uh, to track with local musicians in South Africa, which he flew over to South Africa for, to Johannesburg. Um and also, like, you know, to fly over there and convince these musicians to, uh, to, as this boycott was going on, um, it was mostly under the guise of exposure for these musicians who obviously hadn't broken international barriers. Right. Um, but to the majority of critics, he was self righteous and threatened to undermine 
the anti-apartheid cause because apartheid was going on right. at that time that was the in South Africa. Initial controversy of and the album. For those who aren't familiar, um, it the the apartheid is an authoritarian political culture which ensured that South Africa was dominated politically, socially, and economically by the nation's minority white population. So just let that sink in for a second. How fucked up that was. So the United States or the, not the United States, the United Nations, put in a cultural boycott for anti-apartheid, which Simon just totally flagrantly ignored to go over and, and start tracking these musicians um, for the Graceland album. But what he basically did was fly over there, have some live sessions, track these amazing local South African musicians, and then come home, cut everything up to make this record. So he... To a certain extent, almost took it. He took advantage of them. I'm just gonna right. say it. He took advantage of them. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. It, you could just read it right on even the Wikipedia. Graceland. Yeah. It's, it, uh, it's pretty, pretty. Even though he did fly some of the musicians over to finish the tracking at Hit Factory, he he really he really took advantage of of so. But the like, culture. do you have like a list of some of the musicians that were appeared on the album? I, that a lot of the musicians are unnamed. Minus, right. which is also something that's totally fucked up. Yeah. Minus Lady Smith, Black Mombazo, right. which were, which again had career success after this record. Yeah, but what I do want to touch on um, are the two incredibly important genre components. Like I can't stress the importance of them enough of the album that are underrepresented in popular lore surrounding the discussion of the album itself which are incredibly important to note as they continue to deliver inspiration to the musicians who've prolonged the appropriation of South African culture off the back of Graceland. And I might butcher these, uh, but uh, these names, um, but it's important to note here as we can continue this discussion about how beautiful these genres of music are. So uh, is, is Sika Tamiya, which is spelled I-S-I-C-A-T-H-A-M-I-Y-A, which is a South African style of acapella, okay. which is what Ladysmith Black Mombazo are. Yeah. And I feel like knowing the, t- the, the title of the genre really helps expose it to people and uh, you know, it, at least continue the conversation uh, and the, the education of that. But also um, Umbakenga, Umbakenga, uh-huh. Uh, which is South African jazz, basically. And those two genre components were the most important things to Graceland. And Paul Simon could not have made this record, which propelled him back into the limelight, if it weren't for those two things. Um, I want to quote, there's a famed South African trombonist, uh, Jonas Gwanga, um, and also a severe anti-apartheid activist and critic, uh, sums up the countless thoughts from the black artist community over Graceland's success. And he said, so it has taken another white man to discover my people. And at that point, you re- like, that's why, yeah, that's, that's why I'm bringing this to the table exactly. right now. Because, and I mean, there's a lot, a lot of the people on it thought he was just stealing their sounds, like going to studios. I mean, there's a quote here from, you know, Los Lobos mm-hmm. appear on the last song, um, all around the world, right. or the myth of fingertips. Yeah. And saxophone player Steve Rulind is a quote on Wikipedia. He says, Simon, quite literally, and in no way do I exaggerate when I say, he stole the song from us. We go into the studio, and he quite literally had nothing. 
I mean, he had no ideas, no concepts, and said, well, let's just jam. Paul goes, hey, what's that? We start playing what we have of it, and it's exactly what you hear on the record. God damn it, dude. And see, that's hard. And and guys, for the listener, again, we're kind of, we might be stumbling through this, or rather, I might be stumbling through this, because this is a new segment. And, and Graceland changed me as a child, as we were talking about on the list today. Also talking about the Public Image Limited song, Rise, which was written about the apartheid. Like, right. so many things are tying into this. And it's important to note that Simon f- fucking put so much at risk just because he wanted to tout his career or take it in a different direction by just, again, flouting these rules and regulations for this South African boycott to end the apartheid. And he did that so selfishly. Um, and and this is something that we, we need to have a discussion about. So this is part of the check your the the privilege check that yeah. that we're we're going through. I right like now. yours. Those are the first. I just it, dude. I just it, it it fucking sucks. It made me look into it too, and it, it's you know it even makes me question other albums that I like that kind of piggyback off that um like like uh, Peter Gabriel. So absolutely. Next episode's privilege check, just a preview, is going to be on the subject of white people. It's time to cancel Toto's Africa. Oh, completely. So we're going to get that. You know what? That. That's going to be a great discussion, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. But for mine, uh, this I want to do more of like just a celebration of a great artist. I just wanted to highlight Stevie Wonder, because why not? Well, yeah, you what have an, to. What an accomplished, How beautiful many, soul. I, but again, and like, he, he released his first single in August uh, of 1962 when he was 11. Jesus. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, the first single ever is called, I call it pretty music, but old people call it the blues. <laughs> That's such an incredible title. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't written by him. It was written by Barry Gordy. Oh, cool. Who is also an absolute Motown Untouchable. legend. Untouchable. I mean, I looked through How his How many songs credits. has Barry Gordy written? Dude, it's insane. he wrote like all the biggest hits by Jackson 5. Of course. ABC, like all the big ones. Just like reading through this list. And that's another thing I didn't know. That's a person that I didn't know wrote all these beautiful, perfect songs. Yeah all through the majority of like timeless soul in our in classic R&B. So I don't know it was just it was just cool going down this wormhole and just getting getting to know this song that I had never heard. Yeah. The very first single by Stevie Wonder. I call it pretty music, but old people call it the blues. God. And I actually want to bring it in and just end the podcast with it. We should. And and on that note too, it's important for us to realize and for the listeners to realize and for everyone to realize that popular music and popular culture, as this is a music-centric podcast, is truly built on the backs of the black artist community. Right. Like mm. jazz, blues, and, and the progressions thereof, and everything that we have today has truly been trailblazed by the black artist community. And, and we, the more we read into this in these classics, we yeah. learn more about where they really actually where they came come from, from. Where the influences are. Yeah. And... But, you know, Stevie Wonder, just a beautiful soul that, I mean, despite so much adversity, being born blind, I mean, at age 11, already coming out with a single. And we cry about our fucking privilege problems. (laughs) Well, on that note, guys, as we're about to end this uh, Goat Parade return, thank you for joining us again, whoever's listening out there. And thank you for being with us through some new segments and and. And, you know, being here with us as as we're trying to suss out some problems with and for us, you know, um, and for everyone involved. So, 
Yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks because we're back. I mean, Al's just going to be traversing around the universe. But yeah, I. By the he's way, be checking in. Yeah, I. Uh, I snapped emotionally and intellectually, and I bought a trailer. Understandable. So I will be doing future podcasts from RV parks in Missouri or. Uh, campgrounds from Montana. I mean, who knows where I'm going to be? It'll be a fun thing to highlight. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it at the beginning of each episode, and you'll probably hear a bunch of rednecks in the background. I love uh, it. Because who knows where I'm going to be. So join us. I'm going to be so lonely as, <laughs> without you. Okay, well, next episode for Ben Haywood and for everyone else, I will be naked. You will be receiving a picture if you're a Patreon member. Um but until then, Cam, our sultry voice, post-punk king of Los Angeles host, why don't you Ow. sign us out, buddy? Uh, thanks for everyone listening. That's, that's it for the Go Parade. Out. I was sitting in my classroom, the